Welcome back to Untold Stories podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed Sabanju. I want to start by thanking you for your support in listening to this podcast that I record out of my living room during this pandemic. I've received great feedback through messages on Instagram for our account Untold Stories Podcast. It just made me want to continue telling the story even more so. So I have my beverage of choice, which is a glass of red wine. Depending on the time of the day you're listening to this, settle in, grab a beverage of your choice, and let's pick up where we left off last week. I have received an invitation uh, of letter to come to Canada from David and also a free plane ticket. I mean, who can say no to that, right? Let's go on. So picture this. I'm in my 21-year-old bedroom, (laughs) lying on the bed, staring at the ceiling, all smitten with David's letter in my hands pressed firmly against my heart. And I'm just dreaming, thinking about how my life will be like when I go visit him, be with him, kiss him, hug him, and just live the life freely. I am so happy but there is a side of me that is also doubtful or conflicted because I'm thinking I just met this guy really and I have talked to him for a few months online and I have seen pictures of him but I've never really seen him on a video camera you know like I want to see him live before I ultimately make this decision to go see him so I get out from my bed and I write an email to David saying well thanking him for the amazing romantic gesture and that I also want to see him be with him and kiss him and hug him and all of that and I can't wait to do all of it too I said how about we do a video chat and just talk and he says He replies back and he says, that's a great idea, let's do it. Although we realize that both of us don't have webcams. So it's something that we have to go out and get it. So 2001 Turkey, um, technology was still very new and expensive. It's always been expensive, but back then even more so. So not everybody had a desktop at home or internet or like webcam and I don't have it because I never thought that I would need it. So I have to go out and buy one um, and I have limited resources because I'm still a student and I'm not working and I depend on my parents for support. So I remember going to the store and just like all puzzled of what webcam I should buy and I tried to get something mid-range Um, like a decent quality but good price and I remember getting this big clunky webcam I had it for a few years after that I went in and looked for this podcast so I could tell you the name it's I believe it's pronounced Logitech Clicksmart 310 310 
There is a reason that I'm mentioning all of this. Um, it's a vital part of the story. Um, you will know what I mean later on. But um, the qualifications of this webcam was pretty low. I think nowadays a regular webcam you buy would have like 720p quality. This at um, this was 100p quality, so it was pretty low. And if you think of the infrastructure back in the day in Turkey with dial-up internet and you know the desktop that I was using, it. Needless to say, when I brought the camera home and set it up. The quality was horrible. It was grainy. It was grayscale. It it was just so bad. But I did my best on Sunday to make the quality as good as it is as it gets. With like I put lamps around my desktop. I propped different lights, and、um, I remember just like shaving, getting ready, like gelled my hair、um, to make sure that David would see me at my best. Anyways, we、um, signed on, and、um, I was waiting for David to come online. And yeah, I got a message from ICQ just like that.、Um, just popped up, and I was just so so excited just to see him. But it didn't work. So the webcam was just not working. He couldn't see me. I couldn't see him. We turned it on and off, signed in, signed off, nothing. So at the end, we moved over to MSM Messenger and tried it one last time, and voila! I see David. It's very grainy and dark. It's almost like he's in shadows or he has like this veil. <laughs> I could see his smile. It's bright and handsome as ever, but his face I can't really make out so much. So, and he says that it's the same for me on his end. As well, and we can't talk. There's no audio, so we do hand gestures and then type, and then finally he says, "You know what? Let's just talk on the phone." And then he calls me, and I remember him calling me with a calling card, and because he was calling my cell phone, the credits that you have on calling card just eats up quite fast. So we had to be fast, and he was talking. And、um, then the voice from the、um, calling card people, I guess, <laughs> said, "You have one minute left." So it's like a warning to wrap up before you got cut off. And he says, "Okay, we're gonna cut off. What do you think? Do you think I am worth coming to see in Canada?" And I say to him, "Absolutely." And that's when I made the decision to come to Canada. After talking to David on video camera and confirming that he is someone I would actually like to see. My days are spent planning on how to get to Canada. You see, for any Turkish citizen, it's 
required if you're visiting another country that you get a travel visa for that country. Most of the countries require this, most of the major ones, at least. Europe, America, and apparently Canada. And it's not an easy task to get these travel visas, especially if you're an unemployed young male Turkish citizen, because you are more of a flight risk, I guess. Uh, all the countries assume that you're coming not only to visit, but illegally stay and work in their country so that you won't leave again. So Canada is one of the toughest, has one of the toughest um, immigration policies that I've ever heard of. And travel visa is under immigration. And they require a lot of documents, very detailed documents. One of them being that you need to show proof that you will be able to pay for yourself or afford your trip um, or your basic expenses when you're actually in Canada. So David says that he will help by sending me a letter of invitation stating that he will pay for my expenses, which is amazing, but I still need to prove somehow that I will not overstay my vacation or my visa. And for that, I need to involve my parents, which puts a damper on things. They currently don't know that I'm going to go to Canada. They don't even know that I know someone in Canada, aside from my mom knowing about the letter, I guess. But I also wanted to just keep it a secret until I got the visa and I could just say, everything is settled, I'm just going to go and visit for three months or so. Anyway, so I have to talk to my parents. So I tell my mom first that I'm going to be going to Canada to look for schools. I should also mention this. Um, at this stage, I already graduated from school, university. And when a Turkish male graduates from university, he has two options in front of him. He is legally required to go to Turkish army for training. And that is about 18 months of serving in the military. Which is dreadful for anyone, let alone a possible gay person. Secondly, the second option is he can continue with his studies for one year or two years, or if it's an MBA, three years in that case to postpone this military service. So that is what the law says. And then society says, after you graduate from university, you should go do your military service and then you find a job or take over your family's business and find a wife. Or if you're in the upper class like we were, you go abroad to study and complete a MBA, it's just what it was. A lot of guys in my immediate circle of friends, they were going to go do MBAs and mostly in Europe or in America. So nobody at that time was thinking about Canada. So I tell my mom that I want to visit Canada to see the possibilities of schools there and maybe study there. And she's okay with it. She says, you know what, go for it. Do whatever you feel like doing. I'm all for it. 
My dad is kind of pissed. He's angry because he really wanted me to go to US for my MBA and studies. It was a bit of a status symbol for him. He is sort of like looking down on Canada. He, I remember what he said and it still sort of haunts me to, to this day. He said Canada is for losers. That's what he said. And I'm just upset because he's not giving me permission or money to go visit Canada. So it's done. But after a few days, um, he comes around and he tells me actually that he talked to his friends, some of his friends, and they said Canada is up and coming and it's a nice country. And he's happy, he's winking at me, he's all smiling and he says, I also heard there are a lot of multicultural girls over there from all over the world that, you know, you can start dating. So he's like all happy that he thinks that I'm interested in girls and this would be a bonus for me. Obviously it's not, but I go along with it because I want to make this happen. If he had only knew that I was going to go to Canada to visit a man. And with that, everything is settled. I have my documents, David's letter come in. I get permission from my parents and a letter as well. And now I have to submit it to the consulate of Canada. But that consulate was at the time in another city. So I have no means of making into that city. Um, and I hire a travel agent to submit the visa for me. And it was Friday where I got a call from the travel agent saying that he has submitted my um, application. Everything looks good. He's hoping in a week that I would get everything back and I would be ready to go. My plane ticket is for October 10 or something or like I have a I have a month to get the visa so I'm anxious to make this happen September 7th was a Friday like I said Saturday Sunday I spent just talking to David about what we will do when I get the visa and come over there and he's telling me like he's gonna take me to these places and introduce me to his friends and we're gonna go see a musical I'm just so excited and happy about the whole thing Monday I wake up and I'm checking my phone to make sure that travel agent didn't message me or message me for any good news but nothing comes in. Tuesday I wake up late. It was around noon. It was afternoon actually um, because I don't have work. I don't have school. I have no reason to wake up and I have chatted with David previously at night very late. So I wake up, no message. I feel a little sad and anxious. Um, I go down to the living room where everybody is there, like my parents and my sister, just glued to the TV. And they're just staring at the TV all worried. And I ask, what's happening? And my dad shushes me and said, like, just watch. And I look over to the TV and it was CNN on at the time. This Justin, you were looking 
at a, obviously a very disturbing live shot there. That is the World Trade Center, and we have unconfirmed reports this morning that a plane has crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. So, New York is attacked. It's September 11th, and a plane just went into North Tower of World Trade Center. I'm watching the TV in disbelief. I feel like this is out of a movie. Smoke coming out. There is an angle, almost like a cartoonish angle of a plane going into the building. It seems unreal. And I look at my sister. She's crying. She has friends in New York and she can't get a hold of them. Everybody's sort of like down and gloomy and panicked. We're just staring at the TV, trying to figure out what's going on. And all of a sudden... A second plane goes in to the other tower of World Trade Center. Everything just happens all of a sudden. And I am shocked. I am so shocked that I don't even think about how this is going to affect my life. Terrorist attacks of September 11, 2001 changed the world as well as my world. Later that day in the news, it was announced that U.S. and Canadian consulates will shut down until further notice and all the flights are cancelled. I call my travel agent and he says that my passport is not out and the consulate is shut down so we have no ways of getting it back or knowing if I got the visa or not. At night I just go to my bed. I don't want to talk to David. I'm just depressed. It hits me quite fast. I'm just thinking that this was a mistake. And in a way, this is God's sign or punishment telling me that it is wrong to be gay. I'm thinking, what, what were you hoping for? You are a Muslim boy that is dreaming of becoming gay and you wanted God to help you with that? You actually prayed him for it? This is blasphemy. You are being punished. I don't know what other sign God can give you. Two towers just collapsed by Muslim terrorists. And your passport is stuck in a consulate that is shut down. Nobody's flying anywhere. What else can he tell you? I'm like, this is it. This is the sign saying that I should not be gay. With those feelings, I email David saying that it's over. It's over for us. I can send back his plane ticket that I will not be coming to Canada. And he says, let's talk. So he calls me. And to this day, I can't forget what he said to me. 
he said, Look, for men like you and I, life will always be tough. It will never be easy. You'll have to fight for things. You'll have to fight to survive, to be accepted, to live. Even in Canada, you will have to. He said, if you can give up this easily in the beginning, we should not start this journey. If you can't, fight for love. Being a 21-year-old romantic at heart, that just hit me. I just... Something awakened in me, I guess. I said, I have to fight for love. I will fight for love. I can't give up this easily. And I said to him, you're right. Let's wait. And I start becoming a little bit positive. I say, you know what? I applied Friday. Maybe they processed it that day. It was an easy visa, they told me. You know, I have all the documents. And if they couldn't, it was Monday. They had the whole day to process it. Even if it wasn't Monday, Tuesday, they had up until noon and even afternoon to really process it before they shut it down. So maybe the visa is approved and it's just sitting there. And a couple of days or a couple of weeks, they'll just open the consulate and send me my passport with the visa in it. So I start thinking positively. Wednesday, there is no news from the travel agency and everything is still shut down. The world is in panic. Nobody's flying in and out of anywhere. Thursday, I messaged the travel agency. They said they have not heard anything. Thursday afternoon, nothing. Thursday evening, nothing. Friday morning, I asked the travel agency and he says he has heard that some passports are being sent out. I'm so excited because I'm like, mine could be there. He said, I'll let you know when I get the passport they're releasing in the afternoon. In the afternoon, he calls me and I open with my heart in my mouth. And he says, I got your passport. And I say, what is the answer? Did they approve my visa? And he says, unfortunately, no. And I go back into depression pretty fast. It would be days until I can come out of this depression. During this time, I stopped communicating with everyone, including David. I feel defeated. I feel just done with everything. I feel God has given me all the signs I need not to move forward with this. That I should accept my fate. I should go do the military service and then find a wife settle down and take over my family's business and live happily ever after. This is the path that is chosen for me that I have to walk. There's no other way. I convince myself to this. I spend my days thinking about how my life would be when I get married and then take over the 
family business and how happy I will be with, you know, money and kids. Maybe this is it, I say. But a side of me is always sort of unhappy about it, unhappy about the thought. Something feels missing. David is very persistent during this time. He calls me, he emails me, he keeps checking up on me. And finally, one day I respond to his email, and then he calls me right away, and I answer. He says that he has found one last way that we should try to bring me to Canada to visit him. He says that I can apply for a student visa. He has found some schools. If I pay half the price of their admission for three months, they will apply for visa for me and I will most likely get it. At this stage, I don't have a lot of money. My dad has given me 1,000 Canadian dollars for per month to spend in Canada. So that's $3,000. It's not little, of course, but the schools that David has found cost just as much. So I would, if I pay the whole tuition at the end when I come to Canada, I will only have about $500 left. But he says, you know, because I'll be staying with him, it's okay. Like, I won't need to spend on anything else. 500 for three months would be more than enough. I say, you know what? There's nothing that I can lose. One last time, just for him, because I like him, I love him. I say, okay, one last time, but this is it. I'm not going to do anything else if this doesn't work out. I have to say it was magical after that once I say I want to give this a go. We got the documents prepared quite fast. It wasn't as hard as the tourist visa because you already pay for the school and you already have a purpose in Canada so they know that you're not going to be working I guess. And there is a reputation like reputable company or school involved that is applying on your behalf, or supporting you, I should say. Anyways, within two weeks, everything worked out, and I got a letter from Canadian consulate that my visa was approved. I was just so happy. I, I couldn't believe that it was finally happening for me. And David and I just started planning our life together when I come to Canada at the end of October. So after all of the struggles, setbacks and navigating aftermath of a terrorist attack, multiple rejections, I finally get to the fun part of my story, shopping. David tells me that I'm going to need a lot of winter stuff, a lot of warm stuff, because it's going to be the coldest time of Canada, possibly, from November to the end of January, which is when I'm visiting. And um, I know this, but when I go shopping, I 
you know, pick the fashionable stuff. So I go for the look more than the functionality of it. I remember buying this corduroy jacket with lamb, lamb's wool lining inside. I mean, it was warm, but not warm enough for Canada. Now that I live here for 20 years, I don't know what I was thinking, truly. But it looked amazing. So 2000s, you know. And I bought gifts for David. It just was a happy time for me, just preparing for that. My flight was at the end of October on a Sunday. So I remember talking to David on Saturday night and he's giving me directions on where to go, how to exit and where he or his friend will meet me to greet me and pick me up from the airport. He says he's most likely going to be there, but there's a chance that he won't be able to make it. In which case, in either case, there will be a sign with my name on it that someone will be holding up that I should look for. Anyways, I remember um, taking the flight. I don't remember a lot about the journey, but just the feeling that it was very comfortable. And I had a layover at Amsterdam for the first time I've been there. And I remember there was a sex shop that I went into just waiting for my plane. That was interesting to me. And I also remember coming to Canada. It was a very bright day. It was cloudy, but not too cloudy. And you know, those days when it's cloudy, but still bright. And we landed and I went through the security very quickly. And I don't think I've ever been through it that quickly ever again but that day just was very fast and I also remember this taking this escalator down to exit through the arrivals where people greet you and this escalator is right underneath this glass dome that is very bright like sh light shines through and there's an art piece right underneath the dome above the escalator where it's almost like colors of the rainbow so this escalator seems like it's going right under the um, rainbow I know the metaphor right and I just felt so warm and so welcomed I remember that feeling and to this day whenever I arrive in Toronto and if I happen to go under that dome and through that escalator I just feel the same way just that hope and that warm feeling of belonging to somewhere for the first time, like you arrived home. It's um, strange to describe it. But I go through the doors and I remember when the arrival door opened and you get to see the people who are waiting to greet their loved ones, I was surprised. I guess I was very ignorant of Canada. I don't know if you picked up on that yet. But I thought everybody was white in Canada, more than US. But when I saw people of color of different races, I was just surprised. I just didn't expect that. It was a happy surprise. Um, I, because there are people like me out here that, you know, almost makes it feel more home. And I was so excited. My heart was pounding and I just, followed the directions David has given me. He told me to turn left and meet him at the end of the ramp or look for 
a sign with my name on it. So I'm looking and I see this guy with white hair, loose fitting clothes holding the sign with my name on it. And I say, okay, well, David couldn't make it. He sent his friend, great. It will give me a little time to clean up to, before I see him, hopefully. Because I've been flying for 10 hours, right? And I haven't had a chance to see myself, really. Um, so I approach the guy and I say, hi, I'm Ahmet. And he's holding the sign up. Like, I, you can only see his eyes. He was a short guy. And, um, and he's looking at me without moving. And I think to myself, of course he needs an ID. <laughs> like, how was he going to know that it's me? <laughs> so I'm looking for my passport to show him. And while I'm doing that, he lowers the sign a little bit and says, Ahmed? And I look at him, I said, yes. And when I look at him, I realize like I know these eyes and I know this smile. He's bright and handsome smile. I just don't know this face. It's wrinkled. He has white hair, almost balding. This guy is probably in his mid-50s, if not late 50s. And I'm looking at him trying to understand where I know him from. And he says, it's me, David. Thank you for listening to the second episode of the first season of Untold Stories podcast. If you like the story and want to learn more, listen to more, make sure you subscribe to my podcast and follow wherever you're getting your podcast from. And stay tuned every week. We'll have new episodes coming in. And as I mentioned, I will be posting some pictures as a visual aid for each episode. It may help you follow the storyline a little bit better and, you know, go in deeper um, into it. Once again, thank you for listening. And until next time, take care of yourself, but also listen to that voice inside of you that has an untold story that it wants to tell. Thank you. Take care.